Welcome to Unboss. We are so glad you are here. And do you know who I have today? I have Lance from the Surfs. He's in the house today. Lance, how are you doing? It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I am so glad. I know that I was on your show a few months ago, and now you're on my show, and this is how we're doing this thing. We're gonna have a lot of fun today. We're gonna bring news in a fun, exciting way. Lance, I often joke with my viewers when I get too heated, I tell them I got to go get my fire extinguisher, and it is true. Hopefully, I won't have to be extinguished too much on today's show. So this is what we're gonna be talking about. First up, we'll get uh, we're getting into how the Democrats are alienating progressive youth voters. Yeah, you heard that right. The youth voters are really not feeling it, and even though these younger voters actually saved the Democratic Party in the last election cycle, they're not really feeling them too much right now. So we'll we'll drill down into why that is happening. And later in the show, we'll be talking about a major scientific breakthrough that is indeed. A beautiful thing. And finally, we'll bring you some updates regarding the ongoing cleanup of the largest ever Keystone pipeline. Folks tried to warn these people, they didn't want to listen. Greed, 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 greed. So let's get into youth or younger voters are losing faith in the Democratic Party. Young voters may have helped Democrats during the midterms, but don't be fooled. Democrats have a lot of work to do. Check out these headlines analysis. Democrats would have gotten crushed this election without young voters. That is coming from a headline from CNN. The next one, young voters enthusiasm for Democrats waned during a midterms. Now, how did young voters save Democrats but also lose faith in them? I'm so glad that you asked me this question because we have the answer here on Unboss. Voters under 30 went 53% for Democratic House candidates compared with only 41% for Republican candidates nationwide. According to AP VoteCast, a sweeping national survey of the electorate. But the level of support for Democrats was down compared with 2020 when such voters supported President Joe Biden over his predecessor, Donald J. Trump, 61% to 36%. And this article, this was written in the Associated Press. Let's go on to the next point. Still, the trend line for younger voters may be an early indicator of the Democrats' challenge to maintain the coalition of black people, women, college educated voters, city dwellers, and suburbanites that have buoyed the party in the years since Trump won the White House. And this headline op ed, the neglect of younger voters is a lost opportunity for political parties. And then we go a little further. The issue of the issues of interest cited most frequently by young people such as climate change, gun violence and reproductive rights are often overlooked by campaigns and candidates in favor of issues important to older voters such as Medicare, prescription drugs and social security. Now Lance, I want to stop right there and I I understand what Mindy from the Los Angeles Times is saying. Now, if we all live long enough, we're gonna have to need those things. I would argue that prescription drugs are needed by people of any age. All ages get sick and may need some pharmaceutical drugs, we get that. But I understand what her point is. And so if indeed this is the case, and it appears to be the case, why is it that you think that the Democrats seem not to be able to walk and chew bubblegum at the same time? Why can't we deal with the issues that older voters care about? and the issues that younger voters care about. Yeah, it completely makes sense to me that I think sometimes the Democrats seem to take a lot of this for granted as if they believe that they're just old or they're just going to get these kind of demographic votes because usually young people do skew more towards the Democratic Party and especially when it comes to LGBTQ plus youth and stuff like that. But then you'll get weird moments where you know, like the President of the United States will say things like if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. You ain't which black. Is yeah, like well, I mean, I okay. That that's a very weird and racist thing to say, yeah. especially when like you should be doing things that actually affect the material conditions of these groups that you're trying to reach out to all the time. Like it's one thing to be like, you know what, we're gonna forgive student debt, and it's like, well, how much? A crumb. 
a little crumb of student debt. You get a crumb of student debt and then all of a sudden it's like, well, that one got held up in the courts, but uh, we're still on board. We, we wanna do this eventually, hopefully we'll win. And don't get me wrong, that's better than the alternative right now, which is basically the rapid march towards kind of proto-fascism or whatever the Republicans are doing right now. But it doesn't mean the Democrats actually produce results for people, which is what I think would move a lot of, especially younger demographics towards voting for them. I agree with you and younger voters are much more progressive in that. I don't know why anybody, I mean the word progressive is a beautiful word. It means moving forward that you want things to be better than what they are now. And it really does boggle my mind to use the technical term why anybody would be okay with the way things are as they are. Why wouldn't we want things to get better and better and better and better? And fundamentally, that is what progressivism is all about. So let's quickly get through these headlines to show just how young voters are being let down. Let's look at the economy. Gen Z has 86% less purchasing power than baby boomers did in their 20s. Millennials and Gen Z aren't broke because of avocado toast, which by the way, I'm gonna tell on myself, I do like Avocado. Toast. <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> They're broke because prices have shot up and wages haven't kept pace. I mean, land don't. The, the, I don't want anybody coming for my avocado toast. Okay, now, I am a Cleveland girl. That, that yeah, certainly in my youth, in my twenties, I was not eating avocado toast. But hell, I'm eating some avocado toast now, so don't come for my avocado toast. But anyway, on a more serious note, it is very clear that the American dream portion that every generation is. You know, fighting for themselves and also fighting that the next generation will do better and have more and, and progress more socially, politically, and economically. We can see that on the economy, that is not happening. And so you have parents and grandparents unsure about whether or not the children or the young people in their lives will actually do better materially than them. This is a problem. And on climate, President Biden's climate ambitions are all but dead. A year after he promised to cut US emissions in half by 2030, experts say the goal is virtually out of reach now. Now I wonder why the goal is out of reach. You know why it's out of reach? Because they're not trying hard enough. That's why it's out of reach. And these young people, they get it. These younger voters, they get it. They're not playing. They're not falling for the okie doke or the banana in the tailpipe. They're not. And on reproductive health care and abortion rights, a top priority for you the voters opinion, the fall of Roe is the culmination of the democratic establishment's failures. I could not agree more. And on gun violence from Sandy Hook to Buffalo and Uvalde, 10 years of failure on gun control. Biden has played a central role in unsuccessful effort to enact significant firearm legislation amid thousands of mass shootings, including another one this week at a Texas elementary school. So it is very clear that the younger generation, they are being left behind by both parties. But the Democrats especially seem to think that they are old. And Lance, that was the point you made earlier, that they are old the youth vote and the young people are not rocking. And if they keep going at this rate, the youth won't be there to save them in 2024. Nor should they be there to save them in 2024 unless they deliver. Let's take a look at this. A survey from the New York Times and the Sena College found that just 1% of 18 to 29 year olds strongly approve of the way Mr. Biden is handling his job. And 94% of Democrats under 30 said they want another candidate, hello somebody, to run two years from now of all age groups. Hello, young voters were most likely to say they wouldn't vote for either Mr. Biden or Mr. Trump in a hypothetical 2024 Rematch. Now, Lance, that's saying something. I just want to get into that, even if we only do it for 60 seconds. To think that uh, in 2024, that those are the only two choices that the American people may have, it doesn't float my boat either. So I'm with the younger voters. I'm younger, Jason. See, that's me. But I, I'm with them. I feel them. Those should not be the only choices. And yes, people from all age groups, all identities, all backgrounds should be able to compete for the presidency, but I'm feeling what they putting down. I'm catching what they putting down, Lance. I mean, I totally agree with you. I think like sometimes people think that the youth, uh, they're they're not clever or something. 
I don't know what they think people are learning from TikTok, but the kids are teaching each other quite a bit and they see the world for what it is. You see all these kind of problems. They see that they're gonna be growing up in a climate catastrophe. They see gross wealth inequality just becoming barbaric at this point. Like I think today a study just came out that shows the top US energy companies raked in about $14 billion in profit in like the last three quarters. And they're putting $11 billion into stock buybacks as well as you know shareholder dividends. If kids see this kind of things, like you don't need conspiracy theories. It's basically just like life is so much harder now because of all this. Isn't there at least going to ever be a party that represents everyday working people who who want a future for the planet? Yeah, and that's not too much to ask, Lance. I'm reflecting on 2008 when the Great Recession hit, and a lot of millennials, like I have, my son is a millennial. I mean, they they had it really hard, and many of them had to move back home if they had home. You know, assuming that they had parents who could really help them. There are a lot of younger people who did not have that, who do not have that, and we take that for granted. And as long as these parties living in a bubble and they all socialize together, their kids are gonna be all right, their kids' kids are gonna be all right. They go to the same schools, they go to the same parties, they eat at the same restaurants, they're just fine. But what I am concerned about in you, Lance, and other people who actually care about the progress of the least of these is whether big mama and big papa's kids and kids, kids are gonna be all right in hoods where they're misunderstood all over this country, whether they're rural hoods, urban hoods, or suburban hoods. And the Democrats better get a clue and they need to get it quickly. And the damn Republicans, Lord have mercy. I will be praying here, but we don't have time. We're going to the next, the next segment. Of the danger of fake populist populism. You heard me, yeah, it is fake. So Democrats betrayal of the working class has created an opening for full Populist, Republican, yeah, they taking this all in, they rolling all in this. Fake populists see a real opportunity as Dems have sided with the donor class, and I call them the owner donor class. Republicans have made huge gains among working and middle class voters. That is coming from the lever written by our very own David Sirota. And let's put up some of what the article had to say, shall we? Yes, we will. The rail workers had good reason to threaten a strike. Railway workers wanted sufficient pay leave to cover illnesses and the big companies didn't want to provide them. Despite the fact that rail companies are more profitable than ever. How have they gotten so profitable in just the last few years? By cutting the number of rail jobs and working laborers harder. The record profits of the rail industry have been a tremendous victory for Wall Street, not so much for workers. Now, people who are listening to me read that, or you're looking at it and you're reading it yourself, you may think a progressive has had had to have written that. But you would be wrong. That was not written by a progressive. That was written by a Republican, and that Republican is Senator Josh Hawley. The Republican from Missouri. And yes, we put up this headline. Which side are you on, DC? Josh Harley. He did that. I mean, he did. I mean, hell, if you close your eyes and didn't see his name, you would think that a progressive wrote that. But no, it was this senator right here. And as Sirota points out, this letter was not written. You know, it was written in a way to draw in people who know that the rail workers have gotten a raw deal. And that's right, while President Biden was behaving like a villain, now this is coming directly from Sirota, was behaving like a villain from Les Miserables, busting workers strike and then eating caviar and lobster. And this is no exaggeration, folks. Eating caviar and lobster at a black tie dinner with the French president, Harley was pinning that essay, which culminated in him declaring, quote, Wall Street and Washington say this anti-worker agenda is the natural order of things. They're wrong, as usual. We don't have to follow this path and we shouldn't a moment longer. Now, Lance, I'm telling you, like, I could have wrote that. (laughs) You know what I mean? That just sounded like, like, we ain't got to accept things as they are. We don't have to listen to these people who have sold out to the oligarch class. We can do a new thing. You deserve a new thing. I swear to God, this man, he was looking at my notes. That senator was looking at my note plans. That's what that was about. I think one of the scariest things about all this though, that people have to realize 
Tucker Carlson or your Alex Jones or all these faux populist right wing grifters, they they know how to tap into this. Like Tucker Carlson can say it's it's this evil cabal of the elites and Alex Jones talking about the lizard people and blah, blah, blah. And then they're probably both talking about something anti-Semitic, who knows? But they don't actually care about workers. They don't actually care about talking about things that are actually gonna improve the lives of everyday working Americans. They just want to vilify groups and, and utilize this faux populism. Well, at the same time, it's totally right that the Democratic, especially the corporate, sorry, the corporate Democratic Party, they're not helping either. They are just as big as sellouts. If you have people like Nancy Pelosi or people really high up who are willing to take and do huge amounts of stock buybacks or stock purchasing and then pass legislation that may or may not actually regulate the industries they work in, that's corruption as well. Like people see that for what it is. So you've got the right who can tap into this really well. They know how to do it. And then the Democrats who are basically doing the same thing, but trying to be like, you know, performative about it. Yeah, totally agreed. And Sirota gets into that. Many liberals will stop reading right here, and he's referring to, you know, what he was laying out, insisting that Holly is an insincere insurrectionist, which happens to be true. You know, more than one thing can be true at the same time. Indeed, Holly, Senator Marco Rubio, and other fake populists are often LARPing a good game about paid sick days, the $15 an hour minimum wage, and COVID-19 relief checks, but They've avoided backing legislation to strengthen unions and routinely cast votes with the GOP's big donor. Points, all points that you were just making, Lance, and it is so true. And that is why we're calling them faux populists, because when the rubber meets the road or when, or when it really comes down to it, when they have an opportunity to truly show whose side they are on, they usually vote with the corporatist wing of their party, as do the neoliberal Democrats. So we have the corporatist wings of both parties. Selling out workers and and poor poor people in this country. So Democrats are losing voters. You know, betrayal has a cost. It really does. And the vote taken away from the rail workers' right to strike, led by none other than President Joe Biden, will have a ripple effect both in the short term and also in the, the long term. Let's put up David Sirota's tweet, shall we? New Republicans want a plurality of votes among those who make under $100,000 and gained seven points among voters who make under $50,000. They also won 42% of union households. When Dems sell out workers, they create opportunities for the, for the GOP fake populace. In other words, nature abhors a vacuum. In other words, when you are a fake and a phony, other fakes and phonies can come in. And what I mean by that is that Democrats need to actually use their power to change the material conditions of the people that they claim they want to serve. Another point that Sirota made, what does the complacency look like in practice? In the current moment, it would look like Democrats using a lame duck session of Congress to pass strike breaking legislation against workers trying to get paid sick days, then refusing to extend the child tax credit while preserving tax breaks for private equity billionaires. And we're talking about the Democrats right now. All things that have or could happen in these final weeks of the party's control of Congress. And let us not forget, they just passed the bill for the Pentagon to edify, enrich, and lift up the military industrial complex and gave oh. the President of the United States lands 40 billion more dollars than what was asked for. And people see through that. Lance, your thoughts, final thoughts? Uh, well, I mean, now you just made me disgusted. <laughs> I, I had final thoughts and now I get, I'm, I'm blinded by rage about that fucking, oh, sorry, my apologies, that, that military budget. I, I, I will say this and I'll, I'll, I'll stick to this. Um, when it comes to, again, we were talking about the fact that the Republicans are now trying to, or they're actually making gains in terms of union households and the Democrats aren't doing anything about it. The alter, you can't be the only party who is the alternative to the party that says we want to control women's bodies. We don't want LGBTQ plus people to exist. You, you're, you're like, you cannot just be. I'm not that. I'm, I'm better than that. Okay, I, I'm, I'm not that bad. They're really bad, but I'm not that bad. You have to be more. You have to meet the moment. You actually have to help out workers and fight for paid sick days. Yes, seven days of paid sick days is nothing. That is a crumb of human dignity. That's all I'll say. Yeah, I'm with you, and that. Is even a possibility, Sirota goes on. One more point from the great David Sirota that this is even a possibility illustrates the let them eat cake. And that was important because that pretty much is what Democrats are saying. 
let the folks eat cake. I mean, how insensitive can you be to host a party and eat caviar and dine with some of the most well-connected and wealthiest people on the earth and just deny the rail workers the opportunity to be able to use one of the most powerful tools that they have at their disposal, and that is the right to strike. So the dim strategy of just pretending to be better as Lance laid out is not working. And Republicans are using this. If Democrats don't use their power to change material conditions, they are done. Folks are picking up on the scam. In reality, both parties are failing. Both Democrats and Republicans are failing the working class people of this country. Make no mistakes, the oligarchs have full control of the Congress. And we are the corporate states of America, unfortunately. All right, let that sink in. Lance and I will be right back. Welcome back to the show. Now, you know what time it is. It's my favorite part of the show to get to read viewer comments. So we're gonna start with our TYT members. Speed, young voters have seen how the leadership of the DNC have become little more than corporate stooges. They've seen them over and over again betray the progressive agenda in favor of the corporation. You got that right, Speed. What? George Bush, I'm, I can't believe I'm quoting George Bush right now, but fool me once, can't fool me again or something like that. <laughs> so yeah, young people feeling like that, just in a cooler way. And then on Twitch, Gomez420, Nina, let's go. Let's go, Gomez, baby, let's do this. And on YouTube, Super Chat, Keith, this show is named Unbossed and Underrated. They do the research and show you the facts. Well, thank you so much, Keith. Really appreciate you. We appreciate all of you for tuning in with us. Go phone a friend or a friend of me or send them a text or something. TikTok them, do what you need to do. Tell them to come on, join us here on Boss. We appreciate you. All right, big lasers because we have some good news. This is beautiful. We're one step closer to having clean energy. We're talking science. Yes, we are. The United States Department of Energy announced a breakthrough in nuclear. Fusion, here's the science field breakdown, here it is. So scientists studying fusion energy at Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory in California announced on Tuesday that they had crossed a major milestone in reproducing the power of the sun in the laboratory. The result announced on Tuesday is the first fusion reaction in a laboratory setting that actually produced more energy than it took to start the reaction. Hello, somebody on that. At 1.03 a.m. on December the 5th, when 192 giant lasers at the laboratory's National Ignition, Ignition faculty blasted a small cylinder about the size of a pencil eraser that contained a frozen nib bin of hydrogen encased in a diamond. Now Lance, I'm sounding way excited about this science. You know, I'm pumping this <laughs> up, I am excited about this thing, this is beautiful. <laughs> and you know, earlier today when we were on one of our team calls, a member of our, our team, the TYT family, Brett was uh, taking us down memory lane. There was a movie uh, called The Saint and Val Kilmer was in that movie. It's really old now, I don't know if that movie came out in the early 90s, but it was really good and the theme of that movie is similar to what we are talking about right now. A breakthrough in energy and the production of energy that is clean, that is affordable, is indeed a beautiful thing. This is some of the things that younger, younger folks are asking for. Yeah, this is kind of the holy grail of clean unlimited energy. It has been for a while. I had some of my friends who are a lot more tapped into like, I, I love science. I'm a cheerleader though, I don't, I don't have actual science background. So I usually sit on the sidelines being like, oh, this is so cool. This is so neat. And they're like, yeah, this one this one really could be fascinating. And uh, while I'm not a, a religious person, I, you always kind of hear like a, um, uh, like a Neil deGrasse Tyson-esque narrator or David Attenborough when they talk about this kind of thing. We've been born into stars, you see, and the very <laughs> atoms that come from the galaxy travel trillions of light years ahead. We fuse the power of the star. And but we're doing that. It's 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 so cool. We're we're able to pull this off. So you know, yay science. Yay science. This is way cool. I'm giddy, and I am not a scientist either. Well, not a hard scientist. I'm a social scientist. Even I'm giddy, Lance. But I'm with you, baby. Don't you know? I'm stepping a little bit out of my lane. 
Now we're gonna go back to in brief moments lasting less than 100 trillionths of a second. Two megajoules of energy, roughly the equivalent of a pound of TNT, bombarded the hydrogen pellet, outflowed a flood of neutron particles, the product of fusion, which carried about three megajoules of energy, an energy gain of 1.5. Y'all better say that. Let's go and put up this chart. Ooh, I'm giddy all I'm giddy all <laughs> over about this. I'm excited. Yeah. Maybe I don't Hell know. Yeah. Man, just make me want to. I might go ahead and dabble in a little bit of the hard sciences. Woo, I'm feeling this. <laughs> this industry, this puts the world one step closer to harnessing an abundant energy source free from carbon emissions and radioactive waste. Can we underline it? Can we bold it, baby? Can we put an exclamation point, a message in a bottle on this, baby, and put it on the train? This is what fusion looks like. Team, put that graph back up so people can see all of this beauty of fusion. <laughs> bam, baby. Bam. Helium, titanium, neutrons, all that good stuff. Baby. And it forms energy. I feel like, hey, let's, I feel like I'm 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 emitting a lot of energy right now, my damn self. This is <laughs> it's a fusion reactor right now. <laughs> this, this is beautiful. Oh my God. And let's put up what the reactor looks like. I'm probably a little too excited for this story, but this is good. we've been waiting on some good news, haven't we, Marissa <laughs> and Sachi? Yes, we need this. Here's what the process looks like. Bam! That is so beautiful. A breakthrough in the pursuit of clean energy. Y'all better go and do that, scientists. Scientists achieved a reaction that created more energy than what was used. And this is known as a net. Energy gain. Go ahead on a net energy Hell yeah. gain. We got a new Hell term. Yeah. Now we know what's happening. Why is this important? So glad you asked. I love when y'all ask us questions here on Unboss. Scientists have been working to achieve sustained nuclear fusion since the Lawrence Liverpool Laboratory was founded in the 1950s. Let's pause right there. Since the 1950s, sometimes when you have a vision or something. It takes a long time and you got to keep on going. I'm putting my turnerisms in this, but replicating the conditions found within the massive core of the stars in the lab on Earth have proven to be a seemingly intractable problem. In other words, it was hard, okay, but they kept on going. And the problem scientists have had running the reaction long enough to ignite a chain of reactions and unleashing larger amounts of energy. That's the problem. But here's the best part. Now, filling this with me, experts say the nuclear fusion releases four million times more energy than burning oil or coal. Underline it, bold it, underscore exclamation point, baby, and a message in the bottle. This is so daggone good. And the not so good part. Oh Lord, we had to balance the universe, didn't we? Nuclear fusion won't help the world reach its 2030 net zero target. It may start to come into play by 2050. But damn it, we're gonna end on a good note. That was really, really good. We are so excited. Lance and I are excited. I'm so excited for both of us. Lance don't have to show any emotion because I'm showing it, baby. I, I'm the nuclear reactor <laughs> right now. That's what it is. Unlimited oh, energy. Beautiful. I love it. <laughs> oh, I love it too, Lance. Oh, Lord. So we going from all of this beauty and nuclear reactions and fusion and all that good stuff into. Uh, something that we got to deal with, and that's the Keystone spiel, is getting back quickly. Whiplash. So take a look at this, and we're you're looking at this uh, uh, compliments of Nebraska public media. The cleanup continues in northern Kansas after 600,000 gallons of tar spewed into the creek. A Canadian fossil fuel company pipeline spilled nearly an Olympic sized swimming pool worth of crude tar sand oil into a northern Kansas creek that feeds a watershed providing drinking water for hundreds of thousands of people. Now, let me just stay right there and thank you, Common Dreams. Here we go again, bunking with the water. Again, we need clean water, clean air, clean food as human beings. The ecosystem needs it too, and in walks humankind. With their arrogance, causing all manner of mayhem and foolishness. Lance, your thoughts on this? 
Um, this is something that indigenous bands in Canada have been protesting against a lot uh, with some success, I should add. Like, I don't know if everyone knows this, but National Geographic shows that indigenous people make up about 5% of the world's population, but are responsible for about 80% of the world's biodiversity um, survival, which is just wild to hear. It doesn't matter if it's rainforests in Brazil, uh, if it's uh, you know Keystone pipelines, there's a lot of indigenous activists who are always fighting against this. Um, but it's kind of the same story. It's unfortunate because transporting energy is something that's just going to happen within society. And statistically, it's supposed to be better if you do it through pipelines. The problem being that a lot of these pipelines, Keystone especially, tend to burst. And when they burst, the shedding off is the hard part. And then you get these disastrous ecological disasters. Yes. And it also seems, I want to couple with what you said this point, that a lot of these mega corporations, they don't care. You know, the profit margin is their bottom line. And sometimes they take shortcuts or they're not really. You know, they don't have within their plan a way to be in community with nature to try to ensure most often that things like this do not happen because they do not care. Far too many of them do not care. That's very unfortunate for all of us. There's a consequence when people doing pipelines don't care. This is not just some random individual, some random. No, they are holding within their power the ability to pollute. Uh, Mother Earth and our water, and that's exactly what is happening on the Keystone Pipeline. It's considered the largest onshore oil leak in nearly 10 years. Let's take a look at this headline, Kansas oil spill in Keystone Pipeline's biggest ever according to federal data. How much oil? So glad you asked, approximately 14,000 barrels or 600,000 gallons of crude tar sands oil spewed from the Keystone One pipeline onto surrounding land and into Mill Creek. Where will this oil end up? The Kansas River. Mill Creek flows into the Little Blue River, which in turn drains into the Big Blue River, which won't be so damn blue anymore, uh, which then runs into the Tuttle Creek Reservoir before draining into the Kansas River. Thank you, Brett, from Common Dreams for laying this out for us. Here is an overview of the river. Look at that. So sad. It is. This is really sad in every single way. And then Wayne Morenstein shared this tweet highlighting the damage that has been done. Tragedy unfolding on the Keystone Pipeline near the Nebraska slash Kansas border. What at TC Energy will not admit is that they cannot clean this up. Let's pause right now because Wayne just put some truth out there. They can't clean it up. They will scrape the vegetation and topsoil, treat it and haul to a landfill. Damage for decades, damage for generations. This is what these folks have just done. And the federal government need to pounce on them like white on rice and black on coal. Yeah, they need to do that. Lance, any final thoughts about this? I'm just kind of curious because like when a company does things that directly damages either the public or the environment, are they not supposed to be directly the ones held accountable for that? Like this shouldn't be something where I I don't know, they have any other ability to pass off the buck, like to be like, we can't clean this up. Oh, we're we're unable to do this. Oh, like it it was the same thing with BP oil when there was that underwater um, explosion that just endlessly leaked oil into into the ocean and they were trying to shoot garbage at it. They were like, well, we don't have the technology to stop this, but I think if we just fire enough refuge at it, it'll eventually seize up and it's like, is there no contingency plan? Have you not thought this through? Do you not think that this is something that could happen and potentially damage the fucking the world in terrible ways? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either, Lawrence. This this is serious business, and everybody should care. We all have to care. You know, people have their top issues all the time, and we get it. Everybody has to care about what is happening to Mother Earth because it impacts all of us very directly. And then it impacts the ecosystem of animals and vegetation and they're dependent on us to do the right thing. I want everybody to know that the Keystone Pipeline history is riddled with spills. This certainly is not the first. Let's take a walk down memory lane. The Keystone Pipeline spill in Kansas isn't the only time the pipeline has spilled. Activists have been fighting 
for years against this dirty oil. The pipeline are staunchly the the pipelines are staunchly opposed by indigenous and environmental activists. Three biggest pipeline spills. We're gonna put this up for you so you can see it. And for those of you who are just listening, I'm gonna read it for you. November 2017, at least 210,000 gallons spilled. That was in South Dakota. October 2019, 383,000 gallons spilled. That was in North Dakota. December 2020. Uh, excuse me, December 2022, more than half a million estimated gallons. That's right now in this moment in the state of Texas. This is not the first time. In total, there have been 22, yeah, you heard me right, 22 accidents at the pipeline over the past 12 years. And so, Lance, as you were laying out, you know who is going to be responsible for this and even if they can't like truly clean it up they should have to pay and i mean generationally if necessary as we the collective we continue to try to uh, to push back on this kind of stuff the government can't let them get away with this lands i mean there should be a real harsh consequence for this because guess what mother earth is going to pay or we're going to pay a harsh penalty for this I mean, we do the opposite, we subsidize them. It's not even that we don't even punish them. We, we actually give them massive tax breaks, which is it's just beyond the pale. I, I think if your government is giving huge amounts of money to an oil corporation, especially one that is damaging the environment, they should be getting return on investment as in they should be nationalizing these companies. If you have to give them large amounts of money, then in return, can the people not get a cut of the profit and or say over whether or not you're allowed to do something that may damage future generations? There it is. Let's go ahead and co-op some stuff. I'm with you mm-hmm. on that. So especially since we subsidize and you we need some ownership stake in this. Very sad. We'll have it's happening in Kansas, but it will impact each and every one of us, not just in the United States of America, eventually all over the world. These little things touch us all. And wouldn't it be grand? I mean, I can I can envision it. If world leaders would come together for a change to do some good, let's deal with climate chaos, let's deal with energy and renewables and make not just our each of our individual nations better. Let's make the world a better place. Can we do that? I can envision that. I know you can too. I'm gonna give you a chance to think about that. Lance and I'll be right back after this. Round two of our viewer comments gives me so much life. I don't know. I don't know the, the reactor thing though. The competition with my viewer comments today. For TYT members first, Nikki. There has never been a pipeline that hasn't leaked, often with disastrous results. No matter how much we scream, I told you so, they continue to destroy the earth profit. Mickey, I can't argue with you on that, especially when you have people who are heartless, they don't really care about it in the first place. If profit is your only only motivation, you know, like you don't care about anything else. Now, I'm not one of those, I'm not upset when people want to make a profit. But when you're making it to the harm of other people or the harm of Mother Earth, might want to rethink your business model. That's all I'm saying. And on Twitch, Progressive B, keep speaking your truth and the truth to power. Miss Nina, hello, somebody. Hello, somebody. Hey, Progressive B, thank you for that. All those exclamation points. Now, that gets me excited. And YouTube Super Chat, Adar Real. Great commentary, Nina, with a smile, with a heart. And Alona, we love you both. Nina, and land. Yeah, they sending us the love. We sending that love right back again. What I say almost every time that I read your comments. We just want to thank you so much here at Unboston on the TYT network. We could not do what we do without you to be totally independent, to be able to speak a type of truth, to bring stories to you with clarity and excitement. And sometimes in a way, laying out the truth in ways that people don't sometimes don't want to hear. We are independent because you help us to be. So thank you so much for what you do for us. Work requirement for child tax credit. The child tax credit expired, as many of you may remember, in December of 2021, and the results were disastrous. More on that later. Watch this. 
This is an attempt from Democrats to get a limited expansion of child tax credit benefits. If you remember back in President Biden's first months, he passed this really sweeping expansion. It was giving parents of up to about $3,600 per child per year. And the main thing there was that there was no income requirement. You didn't have to show any kind of income or work in order to get those benefits. What they're looking at now is something that can get bipartisan support. It would be much more limited than that. The thing that they're dangling for Republicans is a renewal of a package of corporate tax breaks that Republicans and businesses need to get in there before the end of the year. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna sigh. I'm gonna call on Black Jesus right now. The fact that that man fixed his mouth, as my grandmother would say. To say what he said, they're working on ways to get a bipartisan approach and a bipartisan approach that would strip away opportunities for families to get a full child tax credit. That's the kind of bipartisanship you want. This is absolutely heartless and insane, it is. So what in the unholy hell is going on once again? They want to give tax break. They don't mind giving tax breaks to corporations, but when it comes time to give tax breaks to Big Mama and Big Papa, they got a problem with that. America, there's something wrong when everyday people, when the 98% in this, and uh, 98% in this country got the gravel, gravel. And Lance, I think you said earlier in another one of our segments about the crumbs. They got the gravel for the crumbs, and these people giddy about this. This is enough. To make me cuss. You know what? I'm not gonna do it. I am just not gonna do it. I'll do it after the show. Come, come see. We gotta start an after show so y'all can cuss up a storm, Lance. Maybe I can come on your show and then I can just cuss all I want to. Cause I'm feeling like that right now. Did you hear what that man just said? It's it's ridiculous because you can't have the Democrats spending all day saying how they cut child poverty in half because of a policy decision. And then if they reverse that policy decision, does that mean you have just doubled child poverty? Is that how that works? Because if poverty is a policy decision, which I think they've kind of proven that it is at this point, then you're choosing this. Then then you're choosing to have more poor kids. You're choosing to have more starving families. There's gonna be more families that have to choose. Do we choose healthcare for our kids or a meal? Which one's it gonna be between those two? And it's a policy decision that's standing in the way. That's abhorrent then. I don't know how anyone can justify this as like helping everyday families. They can't justify it. And the fact that they're gonna cave in to these interests, again, tells us everything that we need to know. So from the betrayal of the rail workers and now this, and your point about how you bragged about cutting child tax, child, child poverty in half, and then you catapult them right back into that. So when the child tax credit expired, the effects were immediate and harsh. Take a look at this: the monthly child poverty rate increased from 12.1 percent in December of 2021 to 17 percent in January of 2022, the highest rate since mm. the end of 2020. The 4.9 percentage point. increase in poverty represents 3.7 million more children in poverty due to the expiration of the monthly child tax credit payments. But you know why they don't give a damn? Because it's not their kid. As I often say on this show, their kid and their kid's kid and their kids, 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 unless they do something to bunk up in, in life, they're gonna be all right. These people go to the same schools, they go to the same dinners, the same caviar parties, and they do not give a damn about the kids in the hoods where they misunderstood. The rural hoods, suburban hoods, and urban hoods. They don't care. Because if they cared, they would have never allowed the check child tax credit to expire in the first place in the midst of a pandemic. Now, some folks may be done with the pandemic, but the pandemic is not done with us. And the ripple effects of that pandemic is definitely not over. So you got a compounding impact here for people who were already suffering before the pandemic, and now they get to suffer even more. Lance, I'm fit to be tired over this. And these are the kinds of stories we, we Cover on boss because we want people to have some emotion behind this. You just can't sit back. You know, Lance, I had a boss who used to say, if your hair is on fire, act like your hair is on fire. 
I mean, envision. I mean, not that I want any either of our hairs to be on fire, but if the hair on That's our cool. head was literally on fire right now, we wouldn't be sitting here cool, calm, and collected. We'd be running all around the room, and everybody named Mama and their Mama's Mama would know that our hair is on fire. Well, my hair is on fire over there. And what were you talking about before when you were talking about how the military expenditure just increased to what over eight hundred billion dollars with a B eight hundred billion dollars? There's no, there's never a discussion how we're going to pay for it when it comes to the military industrial complex, the military spending. It's like almost ten times all the other countries, sorry, other countries combined. But then when it comes to something like this, and I know there's a difference between discretionary spending and this, but like. How could you let this expire and at the same time pretend to care about children and families when the data you just showed showed 3.8 million, almost 4 million kids by policy decision entered poverty? Like you chose to enter 4 million children into poverty. Like that 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 should be abhorrent in the richest country in the world, no less. The richest country in the That's world. It. The hegemonic nation known as the United States of America. And the point that you made, Lance, about this being a policy decision, can we just rest right there for a minute? Because I want the people who are listening and watching us to understand that policies are created on purpose. And so if a policy is created, it can be recreated, it can be changed. This is not immutable, this does not have to be forever. They have made a decision to do the stuff that they are doing right now. And them pulling kids out of poverty and then catapulting them back into poverty and making it dependent on tax breaks for corporation, absolutely insane. Let's put up this headline, shall we? Hell, I'm getting just as excited as I was about the about the, the science story here. Child tax credit improvements must come before corporate tax breaks. To sustain recent reductions in child poverty, Congress should prioritize improvements to the child tax credit over corporate tax breaks in year end tax negotiation. Thank you, Center for American Progress. That seems common. You know, but my maternal grandmother used to say common sense ain't common. Why do we got to explain this to these people? They already know it. But guess what? They don't care. And this is real. Now we're not making this up. Go ahead and follow the yellow brick road. We're not making this up. So let's put this up. 91% of low income families use their monthly CTC payments to cover the cost of basic necessities to ensure that their children had healthier, more stable environments. So when you factor in inflation, it's the impoverished who are being affected the most. And who is causing it? You guessed it, corporate greed. Let's put this up from Public Citizen. Corporate profits hit record high in third quarter amid 40 year high inflation. The next inflation boosts US household spending by $433 a month on average, booty fine. So let's put up this tweet from former Labor Secretary Dr. Robert Reich for some more perspective, shall we? The House just passed an atrocious $858 billion in annual defense spending. That is $45 billion more than Biden even asked for. Healthcare, we can't <laughs> afford it. Child tax credit, too expensive. Defense spending, here, I just filed an extra $45 billion laying around. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. Go ahead and lay that down, Dr. Robert Reich. And to quote the urban poet Tupac, they got money for war, but they can't feed the poor. I, I'm so over this. And now they want to put work requirements. But it's not just the GOP, it's that damn Joe Manchin added again, the shadow president. And he's adding another layer of BS to this. Let's put this up. The CTC enhancement, which brought about historic reductions in US child poverty, expired at the end of last year due to the opposition of Republicans. And you guessed it, the shadow president of the United States himself, Senator Joe Manchin who refused to support a renewal of expanded child tax credit unless a quote firm work requirement was added. Ain't this some sugar? Ain't it? They ain't got no work requirements for these corporate folks, but they wanna make work work requirements for poor folks. I got it, y'all got it? I hope y'all tracking this. Furthermore, whereas the 2021 version boosted payments across the board, for example, this 
time, the focus is more on expanding the percentage of recipients who qualify for the current $2,000 yearly maximum, according to those involved in the process. The parents of roughly 19 million children don't receive the full amount as of now, either because they earn too little or aren't working at all. You know what? Just throw my damn papers in the air. I, I'm, I'm just done. Lance, I can't take it. And you know what's really sick is like CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, do they report on this? Do they talk about this? Or is it always just like, hey, here's a really scary story about this brown man who stole a whole bunch of diapers and baby formula. Be really scared at six o'clock on the TV tonight. But it's not like these are actual policies by the people you've elected that is increasing child poverty by the millions. Millions by policy, but no, no, don't think about that. Don't just uh, really scary. Really, look, look how scary it is. This is scary, right? Look, look, the baby formula, diapers, they're gonna come for you too. They're stealing from the balls and all this kind of stuff. And like, this is the stories that they should re be reporting on. This is like, this is what is directly going to impact their lives, but instead they're scared about things that aren't real. There it is. And you know, one of the most quoted, quotable people, men to walk the face of the earth, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he, he talked about how. They have socialism for the rich and rugged individualism for the poor. And if yep. this is not a very precise example of that in real time, like happening right now, I don't know what is. You know what, Lance? I, I wonder, you know, J. Edgar Hoover, who was one of the worst people who used his power as being the director of the FBI. FBI to do counter, you know, counter intelligence and you know, preying on folks, especially black people during the civil rights movement. The worst. They need to change that damn building, but that's another story for another time. But he had, he was known for having a file on people. You probably heard this, Lance, where he had this little file on folks. So when they jumped out of line, he would pull out all the dirt he had on them to make them bend to his will. I wonder. I, inquiring minds want to know whether or not Manchin, Joe Manchin, the shadow president of the United States of America, he must have a Hoover file somewhere. Because whatever this man has wanted since President Biden has been in office, he's giving it to him. Giving it to him. This man gets invited to the White House instead of the president of the United States of America gassing up the jet and going to West Virginia. And putting it all on the line, because the last time I checked, there are poor people in West Virginia. There are poor people in every state. There are poor people on the right, poor people on the left, poor people in the middle. But they don't give a damn when it comes to these poor people. Lance, I'm over it right now. You know, I am very much over it. I want the American people to be over it too. Now, we tired of the flim flam. We really are. Lance, we got to have you back. Man, between the science story <laughs> and this, I'm hot, baby. I'm hot. I had I mean, so much fun. I'm I had so much anyway, fun. But I'm really hot. <laughs> I'm hot right now. <laughs> so, oh my God, it was so great having you here and 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 you doing it with your people on your show. Thank you so much for being in community with us today. Cannot wait till you come back. And to all of you who've been hot with Lance and I, thank you so much for joining us on today's show. Y'all know what I'm gonna do when I leave here. I'm gonna get that fire extinguisher because baby, I do need it. You also know what I want you to do. I want you to keep the faith. I know it is so hard. So, so hard, but we will not get weary and well doing. Keep the faith, but more importantly, keep the fight. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network, like The Damage Report with John Idarola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.